You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. Hi, Wendy DeBruzen, Certified Divorce Lending Professional with the Divorce Lending Association and Benchmark Mortgage. Today, I am with Teresa Bastian with Let's Move Austin, and she is a Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert in Austin. Um, So, Teresa, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, a little bit of background knowledge about yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Um, You know, in terms of especially my work with divorcing couples, I think it's relevant to note that I am divorced. You know, I went through that and, um, you know, I just have a real um, connection for people that are going through times of transition. And uh, so that's what led me to become a certified divorce real estate expert. I have 23 years experience in the business. I am a real estate broker. I own my own independent brokerage. Um, so the, the family law divorcing cases are a part of what I do, but to me, they're, they're just a very important part. Right. Okay. And how long have you been in the business? Oh, I've been doing real estate 23 years now. Okay. So 13 and been focusing on the divorce piece of it. You know, I've always worked with divorcing clients, especially, um, you know, over the course of my career, some really difficult cases. Um, but it was three and a half years ago that I formalized the work I'd been doing and became a part of the alumni um, networks uh, certified divorce real estate expert. I earned the designation. It's not one that uh, you can just pay for and get letters behind your name. Right. You have to really do a lot of work. We had training that was from not only you know top realtors, but we had training from judges. We had training from family law attorneys. We do continuing education from people that are you know, kind of cutting edge and really understand what's going on in the family law arena so that we as real estate professionals can mesh what we do with the larger aspects of the case and provide a great result for clients. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I know that, you know, anybody, not anybody, but, you know, just any normal realtor can handle divorce cases, but having that background knowledge and that continuing knowledge and working in it almost every day makes a huge difference. Well, there's so many things that you can miss if you're not specifically trained in it. For example, I have a neighbor who's the the couple is going through a divorce and um, she's going to move out of their current home. Her parents want to buy her a home um, using cash. I mean, wonderful. They have the opportunity to do that. But if they buy that house for her, put it in her name before her divorce is final, we're community property state, he could have rights to half of that house. So that could really screw up their um, settlement situation. So I was able to hear that potential problem coming before they had gone down the road, already settled on doing that. And I was able to explain that and offer a solution so they could buy the house in their name. Then once the divorce is final, they could use a quick claim deed and assign the interest to her at that time after you know, the ex had moved on. So it doesn't, it may not at face seem like there are so many points that matter, whether you work with someone specifically trained in divorce or not, but there really are. Yeah. I'm sure you see it on the learning side. 
one of the things that I've seen or actually heard that that can happen is if you're not trained in the or or not don't have the knowledge of the laws. Um, for example, if someone is divorcing and they say, um, you know, we're going through a divorce, but we want to sell our house now, mm-hmm. and some listing agents will just, you know, jump on, take the listing, put it on MLS without checking to see if they're even legally allowed to sell. So kind of how explain a little bit about that. Sure. So I work, I work really closely with the family law community here in Austin. Um, I spoke, I I speak at the family law section of the Austin Bar Association. So a lot of the attorneys are familiar with me and um, that I, I do have a level of expertise. So sometimes, you know, I can pick up a phone and call someone's attorney and I already have a relationship or they'll sometimes call me and ask for advice. You know, they're doing a mediation. They're like, well, how, you know, can you have it on the market? Is, is two weeks realistic to put it on the market? You know, they don't often know because lawyers are, they're dealing with so many aspects in a divorce, right? They could be right. dealing with child custody. They could be dealing with safety issues. They could be dealing with really who, who literally is keeping the lights on in that home financially. And how is that happening? So I understand that for lawyers, the priority of the house is fairly low, so that, that's why it's good for make me have that as my priority so that they can focus on those other things. Yeah. And so if, and this is a story that I've heard or a, a, a possible issue that I've heard that if someone goes and lists the house, sells it, and there um, was a temporary restraining order uh, on mm-hmm. it and they sell it, then then the court could order the buyer to give the house back. Is that accurate? I mean, technically, um, you know, you would hope that that would come up somewhere along the line, but technically a court order wouldn't have, wouldn't be found in a normal title search. So if you're not on the alert to kind of foresee that that could be an issue, I mean, it potentially could happen. Yeah. Um, I've certainly had it where uh, situations where one spouse is in the house, there's it just looks like there's one person on title because sometimes married people are not both on the title, both on the mortgage. And somewhere along the way, you kind of hear from talking to the person that there may have been a divorce or and it's like, "Mm -mm, we're going to run title. We're going to find out who's on there because, you know, sometimes one, one spouse can list a house, but you need both signatures to close it. So you don't want to get invested in the time and process and then have a buyer thinking they're going to buy that house when in reality you don't have both both parties agreement to sell. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So doing the research up front is yeah. probably the best thing for Well, and just knowing what questions to ask because right. if you're not it's it's not like this stuff is obvious. It's if you're not looking for those things, you may not even they may not present themselves. Right, right. So as far as, you know, if someone is going through a divorce or just um, starting to consider it um, and they do have a house involved, um, are, what type of heads up would you give to anybody in that situation? Well, you know, I would suggest that in the time when you're even just considering a separation or a divorce, is you can do a consultation. Like I offer consultations just like lawyers offer consultations. It doesn't, because oftentimes the house may never be sold in a divorce, right? One party may exchange the value of the house for, you know, the value of a 401k or something. So I'm aware 
that a lot of people don't want to call a realtor because they're not sure they want to sell the house or they're sure they don't want to sell the house. But consult with me so that we can talk your situation through and say, well, what about this? What about this? This might be a way to approach that. I have found the clients that do that. Sometimes they'll call me six months later and say, we are going to sell the house. We want you to do it. Sometimes I never hear from them again, but I feel like they went into their decision to go to mediation or their decision to meet with a financial planner. They just have this piece of the puzzle explained to them and they feel right. confident about that. And that's important to me. Yeah, because there are a lot of them, you know, especially right now, looking at, um, you know, they might say one of them wants to keep the house. Well, in my situation, if somebody doesn't contact me up front, we don't even know if they can afford to refinance. That's right. Or, um, because they can't just take over, you know, a mortgage company is not just going to remove them. Of the mortgage. Right. That's right. I have come behind. Um, I'll tell you what, there's been times when I've worked on a, a, a listing, the parties have been divorced for over a decade, still both of them on the mortgage. And the spouse that was in the house was no longer really a functional member of society, yeah. but the other spouse's credit had been dragged down and down and down and the right. house was in foreclosure, but there was a ton of equity. It's, yeah. It was, it didn't make sense. But so I was able to sell that house and get back alimony, back child support you know, to the spouse that really had suffered through this um, yeah. because they they did not separate themselves at the time of divorce. So I'm a big advocate for separating yeah. if, if it's at all possible and really knowing what the potential pitfalls are if you don't separate. Yeah. But right now I'm really aware, you know, you might have a mortgage at three and a half percent interest. Well, if you refi to take one person's name off, you may be doubling your interest. So you're going to yeah. change that payment. You have to think these things through. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm running into a lot because I'm like, yeah. you know, it, it just, uh, and it's, it's, it's a little difficult to get one person approved. You know, they're used yeah. to making this payment. They can afford that payment, but now the payment's several hundred dollars higher. They may not afford it anymore. So at that point they need mm -hmm. to sell and they don't really have a choice. You know, I think that's one thing that when I talk to someone that's, you know, got the benefit, they've, they've talked to me fairly early in their planning process. Um, you know, one thing I like to say is kids are resilient. A lot of times I find one spouse wants to keep the house primarily. So kids don't have to move. Kids don't have to be affected. And I think that sometimes you have to weigh that desire with the very real possibility. Like if you're if your mortgage payment is unaffordable, your kids are going to notice that in lots of other ways. Right. You know, it might be better to move to something affordable and still be able to have the kids in their sports activities and, right. you know, going to birthday parties and not feeling that everything is a drain on your personal economy. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to consider. And the sooner we can talk about them, the better. So they're not emergency decisions. You know, yeah. there's so many things in a divorce that that are so emotional and if we can just talk through the real estate aspect of it, pros and cons, try to set the emotions aside for this conversation, it can be really effective. Yeah. So do you get um, court, uh, I guess, does the court assign, has the court assigned you a case before? It happens a lot of ways. Um, sometimes I'll have uh, a mediator suggest my name. 
So maybe then I, I, the mediator has heard me speak or has you know been referred to me. Um, sometimes the lawyers will, one, one of the lawyers will call me and ask, you know, do you have room for this case? I think we're going to settle. I'm going to recommend your name to the judge and the judge will order it. I've even had somewhere I'm contacted by the divorcing couple, one or both of them. And they're like, we just got divorced. The judge put your name in our orders. I don't personally know the judge. I don't know these people. And they're like, come sell our house by, you know, May 15th. Yeah. So it can happen a lot of ways. Um, Oftentimes, people that are just going through divorce, they might contact me before they even really proceed down legal. And some people are able to do it pretty amicably. Not every divorce is, you know, you know, big guns blazing and attorneys in a courtroom. Yeah. Um, So I think I'm prepared to, to handle it coming from any, any angle at this point. Yeah. And, and I, the, another point of not being um, educated on the divorce process, you know, there might be some real estate agents that don't realize that they have to be very neutral in this situation, right? Because if you're only given information to one, um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that could be a problem with the court and that could come up. Um, So kind of how do you handle yeah. Uh, something that is contentious. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because in my code of ethics as a divorce certified divorce real estate expert, we subscribe to an additional code of ethics beyond what a regular realtor has. And one of those points is neutrality. So even if I you know, hear a lot from the spouse that's in the property, because I may interact with that spouse more getting the house ready to sell, you know, I can't buy into whatever griefs are being aired. And similarly, just because you're not in the house doesn't mean you're not telling me things. What I tell both people, sometimes we meet together, some most often it's separate, but I say, I'm here for the house. Yeah. I've been given an assignment either by you or a judge or mediator. And I know you might not all feel great about it, but there's a job on the table. I'm assigned to do it. I'm going to get you the most money for this house and the sale. Yeah. And sometimes I know how it's going to be split. It's not always 50-50, right? One spouse not really care how much because they're getting a very small percentage of it. So you have to be careful. Like it's not a normal motivator for a seller necessarily. Right. But I just say I'm here for the house. I said, there's going to be all kinds of things that are probably happening in the course of your divorce that you're emotionally up or emotionally down or frustrated about something. But when it comes to this part... I promise you, I'm just here for the house. So you can ask me your questions about the house. We can stay focused on the house. And I, my job to sell the house is more important than me picking a side between, you know, who's right and wrong in this. That's not, I'm not the judge in this. Yeah. And I'm sure that you probably feel like you're stuck in the middle sometimes when one wants to maybe uh, complain about the other, but okay. So that's a good, brought up a good point. Um, Does the court or, or do the attorneys agree to, let's say, okay, we're listing it at X amount, but as long as we get this amount, we have to accept it. Like, so there's not any arguing back and forth on if they're going to accept an offer. Again, this is one reason I teach and do trainings for the family law community, because again, in the priority of things they have to consider, the real estate is fairly low in the, this could become an emergency list, right? It's not you know, violence. It's not child custody. So I'm appreciative that it's a low priority for them sometimes, but they often don't know the impact of 
how they word orders and how easy or difficult it can make my life. Now, sometimes they just say the listing agent will pick the price. That sounds like a gift to give me that ability, but that's also tough because now those sellers may not trust me to pick the price. You know, oh, she just wants to get it done. She's going to put it in a bargain basement. So there's no easy way to pick a price, especially if one or more of the parties don't really want to sell. But the most effective are sometimes orders will say the parties are to decide on a price by this date. In the event they cannot reach agreement, the listing agent will choose it. In the event it doesn't sell in 30 days, a price reduction is ordered. You know, there are really clever ways to do orders that don't that would work, would allow the sales process to go forward without having to come back to those sellers having to spend money on attorneys and possibly going to a judge every time something needs to be discussed with the house. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't always get written that way. I try to take as much, you know, there's often negotiating between the two sellers before I can even get an offer from a buyer to negotiate with. So I try to build rapport and and keep all that in-house as much as possible because I know, you know, every time they call their attorney, you know, charges by the hour are adding up. So I try to take that off their plate, let them focus on pursuing their ultimate settlement. Yeah. And I could see where it would be because again, Attorneys know what they know. And a lot of times they don't know real estate and right. they don't know things to think about. So that's why it's important. I think for you they don't know to I didn't educate. Practice. Yeah. You'll also see things that say, let's say the wife is the one in the house. The wife is to pay for all the things to make the house ready for sale. The husband will reimburse her 50% at closing. Well, that's great if the wife has any money to pay for things up front. That's great if... Like who gets to decide what things are, you know, because her idea might be different than what a professional's idea of getting ready for closing is. It'd be nice to see, you know, a a line item budget set or even say this much money is in escrow for the listing agent to get the house ready. It's just all variety. You have to be ready for anything. You have to be ready for some people to be cooperative, some not, um, some to be polite through it. Definitely some not. Yeah. But again, I've been brought in to make this house sell so that these people can move forward with their lives. Right. And that's where I think my experience with divorce personally is like, it might not feel good at all right now or fair or anything, but there's so much life on the other side of this. That's what I'm there to get them to. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. They're, um, in it, we know how important it is to have the divorce settlement agreement worded a certain way to help. So I'm I'm glad that, you know, we're educating as many people as possible. I know you guys have a series um, about uh, an education series for attorneys. And what Ooh, is that called, called? Raising the bar. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, it goes every month and we have an expert in the divorce community um, speaking on topics that would be relevant for attorneys. So they're not always real estate related. Yeah. Um, one of our most popular ones, there's this uh, app um, that allows divorced, divorcing people or divorced people to communicate regarding mainly co-parenting issues in a neutral way. So it's not text messages. It's in the app so they can be viewed by attorneys or judges and preserved as evidence very easily. So it tends to keep the emotions down more than, you know, 
Sometimes when we're mad, we get to be keyboard warriors. This is kind of like on note, watch your tone, be polite. That was a really popular, we had the guys that founded that on. It's um, my family, what is it called? We're just drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank. My family calendar or something like that. I'm drawing a blank too, and I have it on the tip of my tongue, but yeah, I've heard while you're looking that up, I've heard that that's very good. And and if they have, you know, orders from their attorney to this is the only way you're going to communicate. You're not going to start with this text messaging, messaging back and forth and all of that. And that way there's a record of everything. So I think it's, I think that's great. Yeah. Another really popular, it's our family wizard. I found our it. Family, I knew it was my family, our family, our family wizard. I yes. was divorced so, so long ago. We didn't have that, but yeah. Mine, too. Uh, Mine was like, oh, 30 something years ago. Yeah. There was no apps back then. But yeah. another really popular one we had was a, a forensic CPA who talked about different ways. And, and, you know, family lawyers, they have to stay up on so much. They have to stay up on like Bitcoin. How yeah. do you determine how much Bitcoin one spouse might have and what the value of that is and how to unlock it to be fair in a settlement? I mean, they have a lot on their plate. Yeah, for sure. So we try um, to bring them the cutting edge in the industry. Yeah. Do you have any like cases that have stuck out with you or anything that's very memorable? Oh, I think the one where I had to have um, the papers to sell. I had to. Person was the in in spouse. The spouse that was in the house was actually arrested while we were under contract. And you and, had to, um, had to get to, to the jail. Yeah. Yeah. How to get him. I had to convince his mom to accept power of attorney to sign the closing papers. Okay. He initially didn't want to help him at all. But again, I was trying to close this, not so much to help him, but to help the ex-spouse and the kids that had been jilted for a long time. Yeah. So I got her to agree to that, but I had to have him sign power of attorney papers. So I had to get those papers to a prison six hours from where I live and then try to time it so he could be out so do, with the notary to sign it at the right time, the right day and time to meet all the deadlines of the thing. Yeah. It was a lunacy, but holding it yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. um, so is, are there any important lessons that you've learned over your career? Well, I think one is for people not to fixate too much about staying in the home. Sometimes that can be you know, someone says that's the most important thing to them. When again, have you really thought through the financial implications of that? I see it happen just so many times. Yeah. Um, people strive to get the house and the divorce and they often, you know, negotiate a lot of things away. Like they, they, they take the house instead of like a better setup for themselves. And then a couple of years later, they're selling the house because they really can't afford it anyway. Now it hasn't been maintained well for a couple of years. It's worth even less than what it would have been. It just isn't always the smartest thing to keep the house. Yeah. And um, I guess lessons, I would say, if you can stay focused on the horizon and not what's right in front of you today, I mean, going through divorce, it just is a kind of rummy time of life, even if it's the divorce you asked for, or you, you know, you are ready to be done with this marriage. It doesn't happen overnight. And that process is tricky. So being able to stay focused on what's ahead of you and surround yourself with people that are forward thinkers, that can be useful too. Yeah. 
Well, that is some good tips. Um, so I really, I'm going to wrap this up, but I really appreciate you sharing your time. Um, Teresa Bastian, and she is a CDRE, Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert. And let's move, Austin. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, my cell phone is 512-297-3442. It's on our company website at letsmoveaustin.com. For any attorneys watching and listening, I have an attorney-based website called austindivorceagent.com. And from that website, you can find me and request you know, title searches or property valuations, that sort of thing that's more attorney-based. Okay. And then um, your CLE classes are called Raising the Bar. And is Raising there a the bar website and, to sign up for that? Um, actually, I need it. it it'll, it'll charge you if you go to the website. So I would say drop me an email, uh, Teresa at letsmoveaustin.com or hit it through the website because then I can send you a code with my, I, like an email with my code so you can get it for free. Yes. And I got that. And I actually joined one of them and I appreciate it being free. Did you like the <laughs> I'm not getting CLE, but it's all, it's, it's nice to kind of sit in and listen to. They're good. Learn. They're, they're high quality. So yeah. I've been very happy with my sponsorship of them. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Any final thoughts from you today? Just, you know, take your time, include a real estate professional, ideally one that is versed in divorce real estate, include them in your, in your package of people that's helping you through this. You know, you haven't probably an attorney, at least you've consulted with one, probably have, you know, some kind of therapist, <laughs> you know, probably have talked to a financial planner. If you own a house or you have investment properties, you owe it to yourself to also talk to a divorce trained real estate professional. And lender. <laughs> That's right. But it's true. It it the decisions yeah. need guidance. They deserve guidance. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.